You're listening to Cinema Geekly Premium, premium podcast from premium people. Thanks for your support. Episode of Podcasters of Shield, Cinema Geekly's all-encompassing Marvel podcast. It's Anthony Lewis along with Aurora. Aurora, how are you doing? Good. Excited to talk about this show. Yes, we are talking about the newest Marvel MCU Netflix program, Jessica Jones. How much did you know about this character going into the show? Just a little bit, not much. Yeah, I didn't know anything about this mm-hmm. character. Uh, I was a little like when they when they mentioned it, I was like, because uh, they listed four shows, uh, three of which for sure they're making. I think it's up in the air whether or not Iron Fist is getting his show now. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is uh, like this was the one show and it wasn't uh, for any particular reason. It's just like, well, I've never heard of this character before. I've at least heard of Luke Cage and Iron Fist before because they're in some of the animated series and things like that. So I knew a little bit about them. I knew nothing about Jessica Jones, so it was immediately to the bottom of my uh, I'm interested in list. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But after having watched these first two episodes, yeah. wow, yeah, yep. they've got a lot to work with here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to do as we did with the Daredevil episodes, and we're going to cover the first two episodes. And like crazy people, that's all we're going to talk about until next week's podcast where we will then uh finally relieve the tension that has built up all week by watch- well i mean technically once we record this podcast you're free to go watch the next two episodes tonight if you want but i'm i'm going to probably wait until the day before we record so this way they're yeah. fresh in my minds although i am tempted to go watch episode yeah. three right after we're done mm-hmm. uh, all right so we are talking the season one episode one episode of jessica jones a.k.a. Ladies' Night. Mm-hmm. So this is our introduction to Jessica Jones, and it begins with her kind of doing a bit of a, a bit of narration, right? She's talking about uh, what she does. She's a private investigator, mm-hmm. and largely, uh, and I'm sure even at this point, she would put private investigator in quotations, uh, because as she describes to somebody later, Basically, she just sneaks around in dark alleys and takes pictures of people having sex with one another mm-hmm. because that's largely, as a PI, what she does. Uh, my husband's cheating on me. My wife's cheating on me. I need evidence. And this is what she does for a living. It's not glamorous, but apparently it's paying the bills. Uh, and occasionally, from time to time, people will take this out on her. Uh, as in the case of a gentleman we sort of met, well, we met him once Jessica threw him through her door, uh, as kind of our first introduction to her. 
Right. Um, she has superpowers. Uh, exactly where those come from, though, was not immediately identified in the episode. Mm-hmm. We can talk about that, though, uh, in a little bit. Uh, so we begin with Jessica finishing a case dealing with a cheating wife. Uh, and Jones asks Jerry Hogarth, who is uh, her friend who's also a high-powered attorney. I don't know if it's right. necessarily a friend so much as it's a maybe a business relationship. Yeah. Um, like her kind of boss. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she goes to her for a brand new assignment. Uh, she doesn't work outright for Hogarth, but she gets cases from her. Right. I think, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, she doesn't work for her for her law firm. Um, she still is a freelancer. Uh, Hogarth sends her to give a subpoena to Gregory Spheris, a strip club owner who stays surrounded by bodyguards. Uh, in the meantime, Jessica is keeping an eye on a gentleman and his lady caller one night. Um, and uh, she sort of... It, it, they set it up like she's doing her job, but really she's, she's spying on this gentleman, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. who we later find out is Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. And uh, she realizes that he runs a bar downtown and she's peeking in. And he spots her and lets her know that it's ladies' night if she would care to enter. Uh, staying until close, Jones and Cage end up, quote, spending the night together uh, because that is the most accurate way I can say <laughs> it without getting graphic. Um, for those curious, it was by far the most graphic sex scene in any Marvel thing that I've ever watched. Definitely. Yes. Um, there's no nudity in it. No. Uh, but you won't confuse it for something else. Basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that won't happen. Uh, she leaves abruptly though, when she sees a woman's picture in his bathroom, uh, Jones goes to her apartment to get some sleep, but the neighbors above her are constant. Oh God, the neighbors, <laughs> uh, her neighbors. We'll talk about them afterwards. Um, but the neighbors above her are constantly arguing and they keep her awake. Uh, she decides to, uh, uh, she she just uh, basically this keeps her awake. Uh, this is when she meets Bob and Barbara Barbara Schlotman, uh, and they are hiring her to find their missing daughter Hope, who is a track star at New York University, who has disappeared. He, she changed her routine. She vanished. Uh, Jones basically uh, uh, runs into uh, the well. She doesn't run into. She finds the Spheris fellow, the guy she was supposed to serve. The uh, the warrant too, and this is when we really find out that she is super powered, super powered, because mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. he is about to take off, and she just grabs onto his car and holds on, yep. and, and is lifting the car up, uh, and gives him the subpoena. Uh, Jessica calls Hogarth to verify the payment. Uh, we find out that Jerry Hogarth is uh, in a relationship with. Her secretary, I want to say. Yeah, or assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that is uh, that is revealed, and I believe it is also later revealed that uh, Jerry is actually in a relationship with another woman, and this yes. is a love affair that's mm-hmm. going on. Uh, so Jessica uses credit card data to follow Hope's trail to discover 
that she has not paid rent on her apartment, but she is buying expensive clothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she goes to a restaurant that she had recently used her card at, she begins to understand the pattern. There is a man by the name of Kilgrave who she is with, and this is a person that Jessica knows very well because she believes this man to have been dead uh, right. at least a year ago. And she has found out that not only is he not dead, but he is duplicating their dating rituals, you see, because Jessica was once with Kilgrave as well, and a little bit more about Kilgrave momentarily. Uh, Jones decides to flee and advises the Schlotmans to do the same. After approaching different people for money, Jessica goes to Trish, whom I believe is her best friend. Right. Uh, she is a radio talk show host in New York and gets the money necessary to leave. However, Jessica decides to visit one more place. She can't help it. She goes to the hotel where a doorman is familiar with her and finds Hope in bed, unable and refusing to move. Jessica, however, uses her strength to pick her up. Firemen carry her and eventually gets her out of the room, although Hope is fighting tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. It is because Kilgrave, or the Purple Man, I don't know if they're going to ever refer to him as that in this show, mm-hmm. uh, but he has abilities as well, and it goes a step above mind control. He he has the ability to, to control your mind, control your actions, but mm-hmm. it's not just that. He makes you want to do the things that you're doing. Right, right. So it's not like this unwilling feeling. And worse yet, you can't shake the feeling that you want to do it. You know you don't, but you do. Like mm-hmm. Hope, des- Hope describes it once Jessica gets her far enough away. The key is to get to get yourself far enough away from him and his powers decrease. But she describes it in like this weird way of like, I, I didn't want to do it, but I did want to do it. Right. Uh, sometime later, Jessica and Hope talk about this with Hope letting her know that... Uh, uh, letting Hope know that nothing that Kilgrave had her do was her fault. The Shotmans arrived to get their daughter to return home to Oklahoma, I believe it is. Yeah. Uh, and the Jones decides that she is done being a detective. Suddenly, Hope brandishes a gun from her bag, and as the elevator door is closing, she shoots her parents, emptying the gun into them, and when Jessica arrives at the ground floor, the doors are open. There is Hope still standing there pulling the trigger with the gun clicking with no more rounds in it. And then Hope kind of comes out of her haze, realizes what she's done, collapses to the floor. Uh, and Jessica just walks out of the door of the hotel room and is about to get into a cab and leave when she decides that she's not going to flee Kilgrave this time. She's going to turn around and fight. Uh, so that was AKA ladies night, Aurora. What did Mm -hmm. you think of the first episode? I just want to say thank you to the universe because (laughs) thank you universe. Thank you universe. Thank you. Marvel. (laughs) Um, for giving me the female character. I've always wanted. This is what I've always wanted. Um, I, I love Jessica Jones. I love that she drinks. I love that she swears. (laughs) I love that she's honest. I love everything about this character. Yeah. Um, Um, Let's talk about Christian Ritter for a second, who's playing Jessica Jones. Yeah. She is great. 
Amazing. least in the first two episodes that I've seen. I don't want to jump ahead because I've only seen the first two. But based off of the first two hours of the show, she is great. Great. Uh, mm-hmm. She's uh, I and I, and I love, I've, I've listened to you guys, uh, Jacqueline and Jillian, and yourself on the Escape show talk about Supergirl, and right. you've been struggling with. The not only are they still apparently relying on bringing up Superman at least once an episode, yeah, uh, yeah. but they're struggling with the having to constantly point out that you know this is awesome and I'm a woman doing it, you know that right. sort of thing. It's very girl power, which is good, but which is good. It's but a, I think that there's some right. I don't know. I feel like. Uh, the, a fem- a strong female character in a show, it's better represented when you just show a good story right. for her, and that's it. You don't have to, you know, right. tell the viewer, hey, you're looking at a powerful female. No, you just do it with their story, and sure. that's it. I mean, where, um, where a Supergirl is is girl power oriented, they're taking time out of the show to remind you that it is. Right. Instead of just showing you, they have to... Right make sure that they put it in the script each week to, you know, here's a friendly reminder that this is a very girl power friendly show. Right. And just, uh, the, the character that Kristen Ritter is playing in Jessica Jones, you don't need any reminders. No. <laughs> she just plain and simple kicked butt. And yes. it was awesome. Uh, yes. Can continue though with your, your thoughts on the episode. Um, I love that David uh, Tennant is in the show. <laughs> Yes, like that, that, that. You're like, yes, this. <laughs> yes, that's already. I, I, it's already a top show for me just because David Tennant is in, in it, um, and he's the bad guy. Um, I, I, look, I, I don't disagree with you. Anything with David Tennant, in it, and I'm usually right there as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, and I liked how in this episode, like you said, they are not telling you her origin story. Like they're they're just jumping right into her life, yes. And this villain from her past comes back, but you are not. They're not like, hey, look, this is her superpower, and this is how she got it. No, you don't get any that information. I thought that was cool yes. that the first episode they didn't give you that information, and you just um, discovered it through the episode yes. what her powers are. Um, and they kind of gave you hints before she uh, got that car because her, I believe her door is um, broken because she closed it and her strength. Well, was- and, and she, and well, and there was that guy at the beginning of the episode who was blaming her for ruining his marriage. Right. And she threw him <laughs> through her door, like the glass right. door that had the alias investigation right. sign, like she threw him through it. And that was kind of like a, that's like a running joke, by the way between the first two episodes is that her door mm-hmm. is constantly broken. She almost kills a guy who's trying to fix the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the father of hope is like, you know, you got any adhesive or, you know, I, I can fix this. Yeah. For you. <laughs> and his wife's like, geez, leave it all. I, I, I so kind of uh, like my parents aren't like that, but I, I've had relatives who are kind of like that, have that, interaction with one another like geez sit down (laughs) and he's like are are you kidding me this a girl like this in a town like this an unopened with an unlocked door right i gotta help her out and uh (laughs) just sit down uh yeah i've I've been i've been there um but no i uh oh continue continue go ahead i didn't want to step on your feet oh no no um and I just loved how they introduced her character and i i liked also how the episode ended with 
you know, she didn't get to necessarily save um, the girl. No. Because she, uh, Kilgrave still got what he wanted. Um, but I like that moment where she steps outside and she wants to get in a cab and run away. Mm-hmm. And she realizes that, no, I, I have to go back and help her. Yes. And I, I, I felt like that was the moment where she became a hero, like to us. Yes. Because she decided to go back and help instead of running away. Uh, I I like how she's she's playing this character. She's very outwardly to everybody mm-hmm. else wants to portray herself as this very hard nosed, unfeeling, very sarcastic person. Right. But we get the moments of intimacy where she's alone. We're watching, obviously, but she's alone. And you can see the vulnerability and everything. There, it's it's mm-hmm. there. She's a human. She cares. She feels. Things get to her. She just doesn't let anybody know that it gets to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I because I I I was I was hoping. It's like I like her, but I don't want her to just be this shitty, sarcastic person the whole time. Right. I want to try. I, I'm hoping there's going to be pieces of her that I can latch onto and like. Uh, that justifies like the outward behavior. Like I just need to know she's a human inside. Like mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. a part of her that is still, despite having superpowers uh, and things like that, um, that she's not uh, just this bitter, horrible person. And she's not, right. that's right. what she portrays to people. But on the inside, she cares. She just has a hard time letting people know that she gives a shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, yeah, I loved her in this episode. They, I liked that they, I liked a couple of things. I guess this also spills into the second episode a little bit, but I won't mm-hmm. mention any specific points until we get to that episode. But uh, I liked that they started it kind of the same way they did with Fisk and Daredevil, where he was right. introduced right away. They mm-hmm. did introduce uh, David Tennant's Kilgrave earlier, I believe, like a full intro earlier than they did with Fisk. Like, I don't think we got anything fully on with Fisk until the third episode of Daredevil. Right, right. Um, and it wasn't much. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe because it was just that little tease of him at the end of the second episode. I think they did the same thing with Fisk and Daredevil. Mm-hmm. They did a tease mm-hmm. at the end of the second. Um, although a far more effective tease, uh, I think, with uh, Kilgrave right. uh, than with Daredevil. No, I, I love this episode, too. I was... Uh, it took a bit for it to build for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like I was just because uh, I was basically kind of just waiting for something to happen, and then once something happened, because uh, they were doing some of her, you know, her her character setup. This is who right. I am. This is what I'm doing. Uh, but then once things started moving, I got really invested and was, you know, totally in for the ride. Uh, as for her origin, until they cover it, which they may not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's possible because um, Spherus or whatever his name is, uh, he had the line of "You're one of those," right? Uh, which uh, could mean anything. If 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 these shows are indeed tied into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's far more likely that he's talking about uh, Inhumans mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to uh, anything else. Because so far, any to this point, any superpowered person largely has come to us via Terrigen Mists and Inhumans, uh, with the exception of a couple. Um, right. Most of them, by and large, are uh, have come to us through those. Um, and it's... I know she has an origin story in the comics, but it would mm-hmm. not be hard to retcon it 
to just say that that's what happened to her because it, it would also work. Right. That she had the alien DNA in her body and she was exposed to the mist at some point in time and it awoken the abilities and powers in her or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that is uh, not at all out of the question. And I'd be fine if they just left it with that. I really don't need any yeah. other explanation. Right. Um, I am, however, desperately curious about Kilgrave, the Purple Man, and uh, where he came from, what his story... I hope we get something as close to as good as the story we got for Fisk. Yeah. Uh, cause God, I was, Oh, I'm still in love with that episode of Roar. It's been, it's been, it's been like a year, but I still want to marry that episode. Oh, it was so good. Uh, oh, I'm pretty sure we're going to have an episode like that with this show because one is David Tennant. Yes. They <laughs> got to give David Tennant something. Yeah. Yes. And the show started strong. So I, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to, we're going to have like a kill grave episode <sighs> somewhere, somewhere. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Um, the, uh, I guess, I guess we should just stop there. We should do a score and then move sure. on to the second episode. So score for AKA ladies night. Oh, oh my God. This is daredevil all over again. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I'm going to try to start uh, calmly. I don't want to jump out, jump the gun. Yeah. That's, I, I, that's why I'm trying. I'm trying to pace myself. <laughs> so. cause, I, I, Cause I know like it's hard when the first <laughs> thing you say about the episode is, Thank you, Universe and Marvel, yes. for making the yes. female-centered superhero show I've been waiting for my entire life. Yes. That's, good. That's going to taint your score for this episode slightly, <laughs> I have a feeling. But, okay, I'm going to give it 4.5. Okay. You really, nice restraint. You showed restraint. Like, secretly, you wanted to say, like, 8.5. Yes. Um, it was No, it was a really good start. I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it a four and a quarter. Okay. I'm giving it a four and a quarter. Um, I liked how it started and Mm -hmm. I was interested to see more and it was very well acted and the tone is very similar to Daredevil. Yeah. Uh, um, Although it is, although you right from the get go, it felt darker than Daredevil. Um, Probably because of the sex and the swearing, I guess the, there was more swearing and yeah. far more sex in this than there was in Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And immediately it kind of... I, lowered is such a horrible sounding term. Like, it, it just made it seem darker in yeah. tone. Yeah. I didn't want to say lower, because lower makes it sound sounds like worse or bad. And mm-hmm. it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was it was definitely different, uh, for sure, but welcomed. Right. Uh, all right, so... I, look, here's the thing, though. I don't know if I could see Jessica Jones hanging out with the Avengers. That doesn't seem like her thing. Like, she would do something. Yeah. I could see her um, hanging out with Black Widow. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. yeah. They talk about their horrible, their horrible <laughs> past together, and they're like, you know what? Let's let's stop. Let's let's just go out and kick some ass together. That'll yeah. make us feel better. That would be a great show, by the way. Yeah, where they deal with their their past horriblenesses by by just beating the crap out of bad guys. That'd be a great team up yeah. show. Yeah, it would be awesome if they had Black Widow, Jessica Jones, and Scarlet Witch together. Oh sure, just get yes. them all like the trifecta. Yes, she, she and Scarlet Witch doesn't have the best past as well. So. Right, three angry women out to, to crush <laughs> bad guys under their feet. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm down for that because I am. Yeah, I I love ScarJo as Black Widow, and I really enjoyed uh, Scarlet Witch, and she oh. had one of the coolest scenes in all of Age of Ultron. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm in. 
we could do that. Uh, <laughs> before we get to that, before we go pitch that to Kevin Feige, how about we talk about <laughs> uh, season one, episode two of Jessica Jones, a.k.a. Crush Syndrome. Uh, all right, so we have Jessica in an interrogation room. She is with Hope. Uh, and well, she's not with hope at first. I think she's being interrogated at first, right? Uh, she doesn't have any answers about this situation. The investigator asks how the Schlotzmans found her body, uh, or how, how the Schlotzmans found her and why she had a bag packed. Jessica dodges the question. Uh, uh, she dodges answering with the truth, I guess. Uh, she insists that if she knew that Hope was going to kill her parents, she would have stopped her. Uh, the officer has pictures that he took from Jessica's office, uh, thinking that you know, maybe this Luke Cage fella that you're taking pictures of had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jessica gets dropped off at Luke's bar and sees that he is being questioned by the police. The two officers leave, and Jessica then goes into the bar, and Luke is not happy. He wants to know why he has these pictures. She tells him that she was hired by the woman's who uh, Luke was with, the woman's husband who suspected she was cheating on him. Luke says, could you please leave? So she does. Uh, Back at home, Jessica uh, tells us about how uh, being alone is still better and safer than being with Kilgrave. Mm -hmm. Uh, Correct. Uh, And... There is a cockroach in this episode that I believe is the metaphor for Kilgrave in this instance. Yeah. Apparently, uh, he keeps coming back. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to figure out how he could have cheated death. At the police station, Jessica signs in and goes to talk to Hope. Jessica wants information about Kilgrave. Hope doesn't answer the questions, but uh, asks if Jessica is a good jumper. He said Kilgrave made her jump for hours. As high as she could, but Kilgrave told her she was never going to be as good as Jessica. Creepy. Yeah. Hope reflects on her 12-year-old brother being all alone now. Jessica tells her that none of this is her fault. And Hope agrees, but says, it might not be mine, but it's yours. Yeah. He was upset that you left him for dead. And Hope is mad that Jessica didn't finish what she apparently started. Uh, Hope is reluctant to tell her anything because he'll make her do terrible things. Hope suggests that Jessica kills herself, to which Jessica says, probably, but Mm -hmm. I'm the only one who knows you're innocent. Right. Uh, So she she calls Ms. Hogarth, does Jessica, and she thinks that Hope is guilty. And uh, Jessica's going to work on proving that uh hope that hope is worth uh jerry's uh time i guess so we'll find out mm-hmm. uh, uh, she says convince me so jessica goes on the path of trying to convince her uh so jessica walks down the street and her friend trish gets her attention trish is scared for jessica and wants a minute of her time they go to jessica's apartment and jessica pays trish Back, they discuss Kilgrave, and Trish suggests that Jessica move in with her for safety purposes. Mm-hmm. Jessica says that anybody could kill her at any time and tells Trish to steer clear of her. Instead, as Trish leaves, Jessica tells her that the window that used to be on the door said alias investigations. Because mm-hmm. she wants to fix her door. 
Uh, a woman compliments Luke at the bar. She suggests going upstairs, but Cage dismisses her, saying that he doesn't mess around with liars. The woman tries to convince Luke her marriage is over, and it doesn't matter, but Luke tells her to go home and ask her husband about the private investigator. So, yeah, things start to blow up in Jessica's face from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, Jessica is continuing to focus on the investigation. Uh, this is where we meet Jessica's neighbors for the first time, or the ones that live above her. <laughs> yes. These are brother and sister, right? I I don't know what I I really don't know what to think about this. <laughs> I, it felt to me like they were related, but one was wearing like a diaper or something, and <laughs> they've got some weird kinky things going on I in that apartment. Going on there, yeah. No clue. Weird. Yeah. Especially the guy. <laughs> the guy is really weird. Like you're yeah. strong. Yeah. Just creepy. Stay away. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Jessica goes to... Uh, <laughs> just that's so creepy. I can't stop thinking about them now. Uh, she heads back to her desk to read a newspaper clipping with a headline about the death of one Reva Connors in a tragic accident. By the way, that is a character from the Jessica Jones books. I think it has some sort of connection to Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. In the books, maybe. Um, where, where is a, there is a flashback uh, where Kilgrave is calling, uh, calls for Jessica to come back to him. A bus is about to hit him, and it flips. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Jessica goes to a uh, goes to the hospital. Uh, she disguises herself, I guess, with a really adorable looking pair of scrubs, which <laughs> she is less than thrilled about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she tries looking for the ER records for the bus accident to find out what happened to Kilgrave. Uh, and, uh, she finds out, uh, she finds the, uh, she finds the records, but there is no mention of, of Kilgrave or a John Doe or, or anything in this accident. Uh, Jessica is on the subway when the, the lights start flickering and people are starting to laugh and smile around her. And we hear Kilgrave once again asking Jessica to come back. Mm -hmm. Uh, She punches a window and cracks it. Uh, And then she starts reciting. She recited this in the first episode, too. But Birch Street, Higgins Drive, Cobalt Lane. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe this was something she said her therapist suggested she do to get her mind straight. Like the street she grew up on and then the street Mm -hmm. down from that. Stuff like that. Um, Jessica approaches a house, but a neighbor cuts her off. She tells the neighbor that she's looking for a man named Jack Denton. The neighbor insists to her that Jack uh, has nothing to say to her. Jessica wants to help uh, uh, to help the woman is now open to helping Jessica in the house. Her son is hooked up to various machines. He donated his kidney and his body is starting to shut down. He was found in the alley three weeks after the accident. The mother invites Jessica to pray and informs Jessica that an anonymous angel pays for his equipment. Uh, right. Uh, we we find obviously this is Kilgrave who mm-hmm. is his the anonymous angel obviously. Uh, Jack reaches for a pen and writes "Kill me" on a pad of paper for Jessica to see. She is creeped out mightily by this and cannot do it, and she walks away uh, and takes the note with her. Obviously, uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, the things get wonky with Luke Cage uh, and Jessica because Jessica is back at home. And I believe it's Gina, right? The woman who Luke was with uh, shows up at Jessica's office 
And mm-hmm. she's like, uh, look, my husband didn't hire you, so who did? And Jessica tries to cover up for the fact that nobody hired her to do it. Right. Uh, she had ulterior motives. And she's like, well, my husband's on a rugby team, and they're pissed, and they're going to Luke's bar to beat the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. So uh, she goes to the bar uh, where basically she doesn't need to help Luke. He no. killed himself just fine, but she does get in into the mix, and mm-hmm. it's, her, it's Jessica Jones and Luke Cage beating the shit out of a rugby team. Yep. Uh, Gina's husband tries to stab Luke with a broken bottle, and it doesn't even penetrate his skin. Mm-hmm. And basically, is like, "Look, you should probably leave and never come back." And they get up and they take off, and then Luke says, uh, "Shots for everyone." <laughs> it's a good way to defuse the situation. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, meanwhile, uh, after all of these, uh, after all of these things, uh, that have been going on, uh, Jessica finds her last lead, one Dr. Karada, who was once a renowned surgeon, but is now teaching in a low level community college. And she, uh, he runs from her, assuming that Kilgrave had sent her after him. But when she finally catches up to him and convinces him that Kilgrave is not with him, uh, he confesses that Kilgrave had him. He needed a, a kidney. Uh, right. He was he was dying from that, and he is going to need a new one every couple of years. But he forced Doctor Karada to do the well. He forced him to want to do the replacement surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, with this information, Jessica calls Hogarth and says, "Hey, I've got." all the information you need to show that hope is innocent and what I'm saying is true. And she puts him on the phone with Dr. Karada. Uh, and then Hogarth, the next time we see Hogarth, she's entering the interrogation room and tells hope I'm your new attorney. Yep. So, uh, she's on the case. Uh, the, uh, the next thing we are, uh, uh, the net. Well, okay. So there's also another scene, right? Where, we have uh, Trish, her friend, and she is she's on the phone with Jessica, and her nose starts bleeding, and we're like, "Oh God, what's happening? Is Kilgrave and is he taking over her mind? Is there something going on here?" Is actually exactly what I thought. Like, is he controlling her to get to Jessica, which would mm-hmm. make perfect sense? But it is revealed that in another room, she is fighting with a trainer. Yeah, uh, disarm him. He he pulls out a weapon, and then she disarms him. Uh, she is learning to fight. For some purpose, I guess maybe we'll find out more about that as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to close out this episode, we get our first real introduction to David Tennant's Kilgrave. Yeah. He knocks on the door, on a man's door. The man opens and he says, you'd like to invite me in. To which the man responds, absolutely. <laughs> and tells him he'll be their guest indefinitely. And that they're instantly persuaded to this fact. Um there's a little boy and a little girl and he's like children are better seen and not heard or better yet not seen and not heard and tells a little boy to go into the closet and he promptly does followed by his sister except his sister says I have to go to the bathroom and he says it's fine go in there yeah and he goes in there and he wipes off a table knife and asks uh what's for dinner as children are whimpering in the closet and urine is streaming out from underneath the door <sighs> Then we see Jessica, 
who is once again confronted with the uh, analogy for Kilgrave, the cockroach, as she turns on her water and it crawls back up from her sink drain. And she decides to not only crush this cockroach, because that is what she's doing. She's yeah. going after Kilgrave. She says, game on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there we go. And Oh, that's not the last thing we saw. She comes out after having brushed her teeth. And there is Luke Cage in her room, right. to Jessica's surprise. And he tells her that he saw what she did. And she says that she only wanted to help. And Luke gathers that. The reason you're following me is because you had a feeling that I was like you. Right. And uh, he turns on a power saw and then presses it against himself, but the saw breaks. He says, you can't fix me. I'm unbreakable, he says Mm -hmm. to Jessica. Okay, so what did you think of crush syndrome? Which, by the way, is uh, a reference to the kidney transplant thing. Right, right. Um, I really like this episode. I like that a lot of things happened, but it didn't feel like busy yeah if you know what i mean um i can we (laughs) can we talk i know it's a very small scene but that cockroach scene when she they were very close up on that cockroach it was really easy to me to see it when she kills the cockroach with her finger i lost my mind (laughs) you're not a bug person i am not a cockroach person and i've never seen that ever in a movie, in like someone killing a cockroach with a, with hand- a finger. Yeah. I and that was a large New York City sized cockroach. Yes. That was not a tiny bug. That thing was huge. <laughs> yes. That she even wanted to touch it. Yeah, I, I was also grossed out by it. <laughs> uh, I was not a fan of the sound it made. Uh none of that. Mm-hmm. I could have lived without that. I was like, is she just gonna flush it down the drain with water? That's what I would do. <laughs> That's what uh, I would do too. And yes. instead she's like, no, she takes her thumb. And she's just like, <laughs> and I was like, eh, yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, that was disturbing. That's um, first. Agreed. <laughs> um, but I like the fight scene in the bar. Yes. Um, it was great. That uh, was good times. And it was, you know, Luke Cage didn't do much. Like he just pushed people <laughs> away. I, I loved that. Yeah. It reminded me, it almost reminded me of, uh, at the end of the first Matrix, when Neo mm-hmm. realizes he's the one, right. and he's sitting there with one hand, just not even paying attention to the fight, blocking all of these shots without thinking of it. That's what it was like. He was bored. Yeah. yeah. These people were not putting up a fight with him. He was no. just, he moved to the side, he just nudged them with his hand, and they went flying. <laughs> yes. Like, I think he may have knocked a guy out by slapping him, I think. I don't know. I was, I was giggling was... a little bit. It was kind of funny. Yeah, it was very funny, but at the same time, it was so cool to see a super... I mean, he's he's a, he has superpowers, yes. and someone with superpowers fighting normal people, it will look like that. It was, that's exactly yes. how it will look. And that, is, that is a real depiction. Yes. You would have yes. no chance against Luke Cage. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it was literally... I mean, yes, it was like when you see people swatting mosquitoes or flies in their house. Right. Like, right. there's really not much of a challenge. He was bored to tears by this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was that was good times. Uh, talk to me a little bit about the first impressions you got of David Tennant's Kilgrave. Because this is the first time, like, look, we, we, we'd we seen him a little bit in Jessica's mind. Mm-hmm. Some really creepy scenes. Like, he comes up and brushes her hair aside and then licks her face. Terrifyingly right. creepy. But mm-hmm. he's not really there. 
Right. Um, this is the first time we meet him in person. What were your thoughts? It was not a long scene, but uh, it spoke volumes to me. Yeah, it's uh, it was very creepy. The yeah. way that he just... I don't know. It's David Tennant again. <laughs> but he's doing it so well that he's so calm. And at the same time, he's making... And I think the creepiest part was when he made the little kids go into the closet. Yes, because the idea is... Because he came in there, right? And he's like, I'm going to mm-hmm. be your guest for the time being. Right. It felt to me like this is going to be days or weeks. He's going to have those kids in that closet for weeks. Yeah. That was yeah. terrifying to me. It's, yeah. What a dick. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like those that there are different types of villains, and I think the type of villain that he's portraying is the one that I um, find the most scary, mm-hmm. which is uh, they have no um, sense of compassion. Yeah, whatsoever. I got a very like, uh, not quite like a Joker vibe because mm-hmm. if he was more like the Joker, he'd be more chaotic in what he did with his abilities. Right. But very much like in a, he felt very much detached from everything else. Right. Like these are like to him with his abilities, people are just puppets. They're on his strings and he makes them do whatever he wants Mm -hmm. to suit his situation or his needs. And he does not care about them in the least bit. Right. And that for me, yeah, is very scary because you have uh, villains like, I don't know, Loki. And Loki is a bad guy, but at the same time, there's some moments where you could feel like he will do the right thing. Yes. But... I mean, he even did. Like even, he did. Like, yeah. even, in, even in Thor, when he invited the, like, all, like all the bad guys and whatever, the, the, the Frost Giants, mm-hmm. he was setting that up so he could be the hero. Right. To save right. the... To, save, to show everybody that he was worthy of being... Uh, the the king of of Asgard. It, right. He like he's not a good person. He's very mm-hmm. misguided. Mm-hmm. But you and can even see I, the pieces I, of it, like when when Frigga died in the second movie. You know, you could see that. Like right. he broke his heart. He was pissed. He was mad. Yeah. Like he's not unfeeling. He's showing some kind of emotion. Yeah. <laughs> and and but, yes, when he came to yeah. Earth, he wanted to rule it, which right. is bad. Hmm. But I don't think he saw the people as like playthings, right? To no. unfeeling like this is what the purple man is. He, yeah. these are just these are just pieces of paper and cardboard for him to control to get the mm-hmm. things that he wants. Uh, I think he sees Jessica differently from everybody else, maybe because of yeah. ours mm-hmm. that she sees him more like him. That they are separate. They're they're apart from one another, but they yeah. should belong together. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Because she's the only thing in the world that he likens to to himself is is right. Jessica. I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think we're going to learn more about it, but uh, yeah, he he was great, terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. I, I'm scared to see what's he, what he's going to do yeah. in you know later episodes. Uh, scared but excited. It, right. Because I love David Tennant so much. <laughs> it's it's yeah. hard. It's hard to see him. In a role other than the doctor. Right? Yeah. Because I see him as the fun-loving doctor who did have moments of he anger. Had, he like a, he it, had his dark moments. He yeah. did have dark moments, but not mm-hmm. quite anything like this. He does feel similar. I mean, I guess we'll see because it's only two episodes in. But I have a feeling he's going to be similar to Fisk in that Fisk was very calm and professional on the exterior. But if you peeled it away, right. it was savage and mm-hmm. brutal. Yeah. And I have the I have a feeling that Kilgrave is the same way 
except he's more dangerous than Fisk, where Fisk is just a rage monster who can beat the crap out of people. You know, yeah. the Purple Man doesn't have to do that. If you no, enrage he can him, make people do that. <laughs> yeah, if you enrage him, he'll just make you want to kill yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's terrifying. Uh, yeah. I think that's the best part of his power. Uh, mind yeah. control. Mind control is scary, but mind control that makes the person want to do the thing yeah. is even scarier. Yeah. Uh, that to me, that's like that's that's terrifying because at least if you're just being mind controlled, uh, it's it's easier to justify that I wasn't in control of my my body, but mm-hmm. to also have the fact that I felt like I wanted to do it. Yeah. Is even more of a mind fuck, I guess. Yeah. You're just like, oh my, uh, like I can see why it was tough for Hope to even say the words, it's not my fault. Yeah. She struggled. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we'll, I, I guess we'll see where it goes. This was a fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. Better than the first one, which was admittedly already pretty great. I'm now kind of wanting to go watch this, the third episode, but I'm going <laughs> to yeah. force myself to wait. Uh, <laughs> a score, Aurora, for AKA Crush Syndrome. I'm going to give it a 4.5 as well. Okay. I'm, I'm saving my five. Yes. I know there's going to be at least one, if not more, coming. I'm giving this a four and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a, a great episode. I love the fight. Uh, I love that they moved things along a little bit. I love the introduction mm-hmm. of Kilgrave. Yeah. Super duper excited to see where this is going. I'm yep. already excited for the Luke Cage show, and they mm-hmm. haven't even started making that yet as far as I know. Maybe they have. Maybe they started filming already. I'm not sure, but I'm already excited for that show. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, there's an episode this season that does have Daredevil in it. I, I don't know if that's been confirmed or not yet, and I've gone looking for spoilers. Jessica Jones? Yes. Oh. I have not been... I've, I've heard that there's an episode that he is, that he is in an episode. Oh. Uh, I have not checked to find out if that is true, because I don't want to accidentally get spoiled on anything. Because mm-hmm. there are people out there like Aaron who has already watched this show uh, from beginning to end, and uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to avoid the spoilers best I can. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's it for this week. We're going to come back. I'm so excited. This is <laughs> this is like better calls, uh, better talk Saul all over again. Where Glenn and I were just so happy each week to talk about uh, that show. This is the same feeling. It's it's yeah. great to be back doing this. Uh, so Aurora and I will come back next week talking season one, episode three, AKA it's called whiskey and episode four, AKA 99 friends.